Viva Las Vegas, Maddie. Uh, greetings from the desert. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing totally fine. I'm enjoying March Madness here in the uh, beautiful Nevada desert and having a blast um, checking things out. I did not know I was going to be here for a Sweet 16, but it turns out I am. Um, so fantastic. You know, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, we got the chance and we were already here on vacation. So, you know, yeah. it, it's it's legit. You know, that's this is perfect scenario for me. Um, getting to watch a basketball. From the looks at it, of it, uh, looks like Avery already uh, helped extend that Venmo or Cash App that I sent her since you got your sh- sunglasses on. Well, you know, I saw you guys. In, I saw you sent the Venmo, and I told her that at some point when I'm going to play table games or something, I'll uh, I'll go down and make sure I put twenty dollars on black for you on the roulette <laughs> table. As Wesley Knife says, always bet on black. So you know, exactly. words to live by. One hundred percent. So it was an absolutely crazy March Madness. I was looking at our bracket uh, that we made in the bracket, um, our bracket think tank on uh, on Sunday. And my goodness, uh, that thing is torn up like Swiss cheese. Um, I don't know if you got to take a look. Oh, at yeah. It yet. yeah, it's it's rough. <laughs> what happens when you go with logic rather than heart i know i know i mean that's the beauty. if i would have gone heart i would be so good right now but you know because we decided logic this year was the way to go um my apparent national champions the kansas jayhawks are uh, no longer in the running <laughs> but you know i'll take a hog win over a good bracket any day yeah, absolutely. You know what? I, I Like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I said it in the bracket show. I absolutely hope I'm wrong. I also said, like, there's an outside chance that they could do it. Like, I think Kansas still wins that game seven out of ten times. But you know what? They caught right. them on the three, um, and that's what matters. They caught Devo Davis on a madman's tour. Devo Davis tore it up. Um, Yeah, absolutely. 20 points for Devo, or 20, what, he ended up with 25, 26 25. in that game. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Crazy game for Devo. I was uh, watching that game while we were in coming into town. We were in Phoenix before uh, we got to Vegas. And while we were in Phoenix uh, watching it, um, told my buddy Jay, it's like Debo right now is playing like someone who has been to multiple Elite Eights and is not going to settle for falling out in the first weekend right now. Like he, they may not win, but he's going to give it all. And he absolutely did. Um, Debo Davis absolutely kept driving to the hole, doing everything he could to make buckets happen, points happen. He was the hot hand the Hogs needed, and the Ricky Council took him the rest of the way. Um, also, the unsung hero I felt like in that game was Jordan Walsh's defense and some of his rebounding, yep. along with Monty Johnson's offensive rebounding was huge in that game. Um, really, really big upset for Arkansas to knock off a number one seed. And like we we pointed out, like in the bracket show, you know, you talk about one seeds, you only expect maybe one to fall in the round of 32. Um, before the second weekend in this season, you know, you've got Purdue and Kansas both checked out and uh, it, it's wild. Like it's been a nutty March Madness. It is. It's a, we've talked a little bit at work about it. And, you know, I just said, I think this is the most upset March Madness that I've seen so far since I've been paying attention to it. Yeah, and I, I I won't know if it's necessarily the like one with the most upsets. I've seen several upsets, and we know the transfer portal was helping a lot with that stuff. You know, the transfer portal was causing more upsets because you have more experienced players along with the guys who still have COVID years remaining uh, to play basketball. So you yeah. get a lot of five year players sitting in there for mid mid majors, and that flow of where what level players are playing at is moving up and down. But for like, you know, it, it's nuts. But like, you know, take for instance Friday night, you know. 
there wasn't a lot of upsets going on, but like we got probably the biggest ups, the second biggest upset in the history of March Madness on that night. You know, you had yeah. FD beating Purdue, um, you know, and that's only the f- second time in the history of the men's tournament that the uh, a 16 seed has beaten a one. And it's happened now in the last five years, uh, twice in the last five years before then. It, yeah. you know, it was like 100 something games to nothing uh, to to one to 16 seeds. And here's FDU following in the footsteps of UMBC and um you know it, it's it's crazy that's no one no one in the world has that predicted unless they're making yeah. a mascot bracket you know what I mean like that's that's just the reality of it yeah for sure um you know that Princeton absolutely wild um you know I guess at least one of the Tigers yeah. made it further than we expected <laughs> Yeah, Princeton was another uh, crazy upset. You remember I, I told you, like, you know, during the bracket show, we also talked about, like, a 15 seed has upset a two in the last, you know, previous couple of years. Um, you talk about Oral Roberts beating Ohio State. You talk about yeah. um, last year it was St. Peter's beating Kentucky. And then this year you've got, um, oh, that at Princeton joining the club. Um, you know, it's it's been a crazy, you know, it's continuing that trend that one 15 seed beats a two. Um, you know, and yeah. I, I don't know if we're misrepresenting. The crazy thing is, is that's not even the 15 seed that we thought had the best chance. Like, you know, out yeah, of all, sure. like, you know, it, it, Princeton came in, got the job done. I guess the moral of the stories is don't bet against underseeded 15 seeds or in from New Jersey. Like that's, that's the moral of the story, you know, because <laughs> you got St. Peter's and, and Princeton, you know, like don't, don't bet yep. against New Jersey, baby. Like, you know, I feel it, like that's everything that we've, we've heard on the uh, NCAA March Madness app. Every game I've watched so far is those New Jersey schools. Those New Jersey schools, like they're scary. Like, <laughs> you know, like there's some tough kids playing some tough basketball out there, and they're they're getting the job done. Um, really, really crazy year. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's go through these games real fast and uh, talk about how the SEC did here in this first weekend. Um, you know, honestly, let's leave the first four out of it. Um, you know, it, it just because that you're not in the main portion of the bracket. Uh, let's talk yeah. about the first weekend. Uh, of course, Mississippi State did lose to Pitt. Um, you know, and that would put the SEC at nine and five. But if you just look at 64 and 32, those rounds, SEC going nine and four. Uh, collectively very very good showing for the sec a conference that was not thought to necessarily be the best and then you also got like you know that over 40 percent of the teams that were brought into the ncaa tournament uh advancing into the sweet 16 uh, taking up three slots almost 20 25 percent just short of 25 percent of the sweet 16 Mm -hmm. is an sec team yeah and i i don't know if you uh saw the tweet that i made earlier i was uh, kind of going through, you know, some of the um, sports basketball Twitter verse, I guess, and uh, said, you know, if we count Texas, since they're yeah. coming, we got SEC representation in every division right now. Yeah, it, it, it's nuts. Yeah, Texas will be here uh, in the next two years. Um, you know, they they showed outstanding performance uh, in the in the tournament again this you know I shouldn't say again this is their first sweet 16 in several years uh it's been almost 15 years since they made a sweet 16 appearance and here they are um you know making making that sweet 16 appearance so uh really solid for the Longhorns to get there um I do think Terry probably Texas owes Terry that job in my opinion um yeah Texas definitely fans, yeah Texas fans may disagree but like in my opinion I I don't know if you if recruiting is the question like you know 
have somebody have him make sure he hires a good record make that a condition hire a good recruiting recruiting coordinator i i don't know what to do because the man has done an outstanding job they got matthew mcconaughey he can do the job i have to say texas has got great facilities you're gonna get good players um yeah, you know sure. and you get a proven track record of being a good coach and success in the ncaa tournament um mm-hmm. you know what i i say bring him in all day long um but you know outside of just that you know, um, Mizzou wins an NCAA tournament game for the first time in a long time, advances to yep. the round 32, really good showing. Uh, Tennessee, Rick and Rick Barnes gets to a sweet 16 for the first time in a while. Um, we were talking about that at the beginning of the season, how important it was for Tennessee to get to the second weekend. And yep. they got the job done. They had to go through a Lafayette, Louisiana Lafayette team that was very difficult, uh, a team that could have potentially caused an upset um almost did cause an upset uh that game was short they just came three points short of it um and then they had to beat duke who was playing pretty dang well um definitely had a good showing against oral roberts and then duke our tennessee just out physical duke the entire basketball game and ended up uh advancing themselves to the sweet 16 and they've got a pretty darn good route uh in their bracket right now to keep going deeper um yeah so really good showing for the vols yeah for sure Um, You know, I think surprisingly, a lot of the teams that we picked, you know, SEC wise to make a deep run, Tennessee, Alabama, you know, we picked Arkansas to, you know, have a close game, but we didn't think that they were going to win. So I think, you know, that says something about the SEC, just how dominant we've been this season and, you know, proving people wrong. Yeah, yeah, the SEC has been really solid. Um, Like I said, uh, Kim Palm, the net, every uh, metric out there had the Big 12 as the best conference. But like and here we are in March and the SEC's uh, shown out. Like I said, Alabama uh, gets their job done, beats a 16 and beats an eight, um, you know, and they're in the Sweet 16 playing San Diego State now. Um, They're Mm -hmm. one game away now from tying their all time best performance in March. Um, You know, you've got. Missouri who wins a game you've got Kentucky who wins a game um you know a lot of teams picked up picked up wins you know like throughout the course of this tournament you know not everybody's going to make the sweet 16 there's only 16 teams who are going to make it um like the fact that the SEC went well above 500 and you know had some good wins you know out of several teams it just shows how difficult it was in the SEC this season um and Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe the the home court advantages had an impact on the uh, Big Twelve SEC challenge earlier this season. Yeah, I I would agree with that. It's definitely something to look into. I think you know what would be interesting for those future challenges. I know the Big Twelve SEC is no more, but to have maybe neutral side games rather where it's somewhere in the middle and we see a more neutral court game and really have more of a battle test than what we had this year yeah I, I think that would be that would be more interesting of course the big 10 or big 12 sec challenge is going away next year um it, it's done after the season but you know maybe maybe that's something that's worked out um for the future challenges um you know just show a little bit more clarity for who is the better conference because the like i said the big 12 dominated the challenge this year and the sec shows out and does the best in march um you know it, it like i said it, it's crazy it's nuts um a lot of teams picked up wins, you know, yeah. out of the first round, out of the first round. This is just something that I, I was thinking about. I believe Texas A&M was the only loser in the first round, if I remember correctly. Like Auburn advanced, Alabama advanced, Arkansas advanced, yep. Tennessee advanced, uh, Kentucky advanced. Um, and then 
who am I forgetting? Mizzou, Mizzou advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so really, really strong showing. And yeah, Texas A&M just caught a super hot Penn State team who had 13 free quarters in that basketball game. Um, so they they had a rough one. Of course, I was asleep getting ready to go to Vegas um, on this trip. You watched that game. Um, <laughs> but, you know, kind it, of. I was in bed keeping up with updates. You know me. Yeah. I go to bed at like 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you do um you know I'm, you gotta you gotta make it work i was trying to get myself some sleep so we could leave uh leave early uh to get to hit the road um but yeah crazy crazy scenario um let's look at the sweet 16 and these regionals um a little bit and see exactly what we got going on unless you got some other thoughts you want to share no i'm good with that um you know i've been looking at it a little bit and it's you know one of those things where i feel like we're all in good positions but if it's anything like the rest of the season, I, I have no clue what's going to happen. No, no or the rest of this. Madness, I mean, yeah, no, the, everything's crazy. Um, if this trend continues, um, all bets are off in my opinion. Um, but yeah, um, let's, let's start with the uh, South region here and talk about Alabama versus uh, San Diego state. Um, I, I want to mention this real fast, the Maui tournament. Um, I know the PK 85 has several teams that, uh, that are in here that made it to the sweet 16, but also the Maui, um, you got San Diego state Creighton and Arkansas who all advanced, uh, to the sweet 16, Arizona was the winner of the Maui and they got knocked out by Princeton. Um, but you know, three teams out of the eight from Maui are in the sweet 16. Uh, that's, that's pretty promising just to show how competitive that tournament was, uh, this year. I, I, I think anyway, um, and you know, you got the team that finished third in Arkansas, the team that finished, I believe, fifth in San Diego State, and the team that finished in second in Creighton. Um, yes. So pretty, pretty interesting field, you know, when it, when we talk about the winners out of that. I, I just found that interesting about the Maui tournament. Um, but, yeah, you know, sure. we, we, we talked about the potential for San Diego State and Alabama a little bit earlier this season with Benji. And, of course, Benji has – San Diego State uh, possibly upsetting Alabama in this round. Maddie, what are your uh, kind of thoughts about San, this very talented San Diego State team out of the Mountain West facing, facing the tide? You know, I think they are a solid team based on what I've seen from them and how they've played um, throughout this season. But the tide still looks unstoppable. You know, maybe they find a weakness. Maybe they are able to get under somebody's skin. Um, you know, get the freshmen to make those freshman mistakes. But from you know what we've seen from Alabama, I you know it might be a close game, but I think Alabama's not letting anybody stop them right now. I I, I agree with you. Alabama looked a hundred percent like they were the the number one overall seed this weekend. Out of the one seeds, they look the best to me. Um, and I think that's going to continue. Um, for the time being, you know, they they won all of their games so far by double digits uh, by almost 20 plus. Yeah, by more than 20 points in each of those ball games. So very convincing wins. Um, San Diego State, very good basketball team. Um, but I've been trying to find a route in which Alabama or San Diego State might pull this upset and what would be the concern. Um, and the biggest thing I've just kind of noticed um, out of this entire thing is really San Diego State doesn't turn the ball over as much as Alabama. Um, mm -hmm. San Diego State averaging a little over 10 turnovers a game. Alabama closer to 14. Um, so we're talking about four 
different turnovers in this game. Um, the offensive ratings, you know, they're slightly comparable. Uh, both these teams above 110. Uh, defensive rating, both these teams in the 90s, um, Alabama a little bit better. Um, and then neither team racks up a huge amount of fouls, uh, averaging under 20 per game. But, you know, Alabama, to me, like, I think where they have this thing is that they're winning the rebound differential by almost four rebounds uh, a game compared to San Diego State. So, and that's, we know that's a point of emphasis for Nate Oates. Um, so, I kind of like Alabama on the boards, but it just comes down to do the Tide have one of those games where they turn the ball over a lot? Because we've seen them turn it, cough it up over 20 times before in a basketball game. So, I, I think that may be the route for San Diego State. Um, but overall, I think Alabama's three-point shooting and rebounding is what ultimately gets the tide to the Elite Eight. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, like freshmen making freshman mistakes, they're going to turn the ball over more, um, especially, you know, if San Diego State acts pretty strong defensively like they did against Arkansas um, earlier in that Maui tournament that you mentioned. And, you know, I think – I guess the key here is they better be on it shooting so they don't have to go in and get boards. Yeah, the team that, you know, they're they're pretty comparable on their true field goal percentage and field goal percentages. So I don't think that, you know, San Diego State's not going to win this game just because they're the better shooting team by yeah. making 50% of their baskets on drives to the hole uh, on, and get a ton of layups. So it's, it's going to be a situation where San Diego's defense uh, is going to have to play well um, in yeah. order to get a W here. Um, otherwise, you know, I think Brandon Miller and company are just going to run right through this game. Um, you know, like when you look at the three point shooting alone, you're talking about Brandon Miller, who's averaging three field goal, three, three, three point field goals made a game. Um, San Diego State's number one three point shooter, uh, Adam Sieco, I believe is how you pronounce that um, under two uh, three pointers made per game. So I, I don't know where the average is going to come. Uh, Matt Bradley is also their game high uh, scorer with 27. Uh, Brandon Miller's hit 40, um, 40 plus before this season. So I, I'm concerned that San Diego State may not have the ability. And then when I look at their offensive rating, I'm trying to recall the fact that not only do they have a good offensive rating, but the teams that they play throughout conference play are not as talented as the defenses that are faced in the SEC. So I'm yeah. feeling more and more confident about Alabama beating San Diego State uh, than possibly I was on bracket night. Yeah, I mean, confidence for me is at, like, like I said, 99%. I was just trying to find loopholes as to where San Diego State might win this one. And honestly, I don't think it's it's going to happen. I mean, haters can come at me on Twitter if they win this game, but that, that's my thought process on it. I get it. <laughs> I, I totally get it. I mean, logic logic says, like, we've seen what logic gets you uh, this season, but, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dang you logic. Um, but you know, in, in all, in all honesty, like how else are you going to approach looking at the basketball game? Um, yeah. what I will say is that the way that San Diego state played against Furman now Furman for all intents and purposes, like when they were in that basketball game with Virginia, the entire time, the mistake by Virginia was made Furman wins the basketball game. Um, Furman versus San Diego state was not a game. Yeah, uh, San Diego State punched Furman right in the mouth and said, you're not going to get to the Sweet 16. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> definitely, definitely saw what they can do against teams that have the ability to upset other teams, but they're going to get a heck of a test in Alabama. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. This is a San Diego State team that played Arkansas very competitively in Hawaii. We've seen Arkansas play Alabama very competitively. 
Um, so we'll see how this turns out. Um, maybe maybe it's closer than what we think, but uh, I'm pretty confident the Tide win this basketball game. What's your score prediction? Let's do it. Ugh. Uh, so for Alabama, I'm thinking they're going to score in within the 80s. Um, I'm thinking 83. Uh, and for San Diego State, I'm thinking somewhere around 75 is how I think they'll be. So 83-75, maybe 85-75. Alabama wins by 8, 10, maybe even 12 points. Somewhere around there is probably going to be the spread. Uh, Alabama's point per point per differential per game this season is around 13 points. So that seems about mm-hmm. on pace, especially with the increased amount of talent as they're going to play throughout the rest of this tournament. Um, and don't, don't forget, those numbers are also inflated because, you know, they beat Vanderbilt and LSU earlier this season by about a billion. Um, so, yeah, don't don't forget about that as well. Um, so those numbers are slightly inflated. So I, I do think, you know, a 10, 10 point win is possible for Alabama. So that's that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, my my initial thought was 87. Alabama 73 SDSU. Okay, that's fair. So we're we're in the same ballpark, yeah. you know. Yeah, Alabama getting into the 80s, SDSU possibly getting into the 70s. And that's why I said the defense is going to be massively important. You can't you can't let Alabama score 80 if you want a yeah. chance in this basketball game. Um win so, with 20 on you. Do what? Win with 20 on you? Yeah, you can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, it, it's not good. Don't let Brandon Miller go for 25 because he can be more than capable of doing it. Um, so you know, and don't let Norton no don't let Noah Clowney and Betty Yako suck up like 14, 15 rebounds between them and all sorts yeah. of yeah, you can't you can't do that. You gotta make your points count. You need to slow this game down, I think, if you're San Diego State and let your defense do its job. Um, because you got a talented defense. So we'll see if that's the approach that's taken um by sdsu but you know uh that would be my thought their name the coach's name is escaping me right now but i know he hates eric musselman like they had one of the biggest rivalries back when Mus was at nevada but i just can't think of his name right now um <laughs> i think that was our biggest point in that uh podcast so we talked about oh, we SDSU. talked a bit ben branded about the maui <laughs> tournament yeah yeah no. we were talking about like how much san diego state fans hate eric musselman yeah um <laughs> and apparently now everybody does so yeah well you know what let's get down to arkansas real fast in the uh, west region let's talk about that real fast about the uh about the shirt um we know as razorback fans that Mus once a year takes his shirt off and you know after a big win we, we've seen it three times you know he does it once a year he did it after the hogs beat texas tech on their uh in 2001, when they finally got to a Sweet 16 and the first time in forever, um, yeah. we saw him do it when Arkansas beat Auburn because a number one team not named the Razorbacks had never been beaten in Bud Walton Arena. It was the first time a number one team had even played who were not named the Razorbacks in Bud Walton. Um, that was the first time that happened, and Arkansas was 1-0 against um, number one AP teams in Bud Walton Arena. So that was a huge win for Arkansas, a historic win. Um, so we saw Musselman do that, take his shirt off for that one. Um, which is that very famous T-shirt that's been going around famous the sling. with the arm sling on yeah. Musselman, and now we've seen him take off his uh, take off his shirt for you know beating the return the defending national champions uh, in the round of thirty two uh, this season, and like I I don't understand while some people are upset I I don't and like. Maybe may, I'll, I'll legitimately say this. I'm a Razorback fan. You're a Razorback fan. We probably don't get it because we're Razorback fans. Um, so like, I would like someone to explain to me uh, logically why people are upset or if it's just pure hate. Like that's, that's what I want to know because like right now it looks like pure hate to me and you know, haters going to hate, 
but I, I am more than open that there might be a logical reason um, because that's just kind of the person I am. I would love to hear your point on that, you know, but I, I don't understand, you know, the biggest one I saw was like, you're taking this win away from the kids. Is it like, no, they took it right to the fans and like they're, yeah. they're celebrating in the locker room. Like, like I said, we've seen must do this. Um, this I mean, is, you, this is the cold. No matter the level of talent, you can't win without a good coach in the NCAA tournament. So it's as much his win as it is the kids. I, I get it. Like I, I'm with you. Like Arkansas, you know, to me, like it, it is, you know, Eric Musselman will give the players all the credit in the locker room oh, and yeah. the post game conference. Um, but he gets a chance to celebrate, in my opinion. And I thought that's what he was sure. doing. I, I cracked up. I was like, and there goes the shirt. And I'm sure yep. Daniel Musselman was over there on the exact, or Danielle was in the exact same mindset of like, there he goes. He's going to take the shirt off. Um, so I, I don't totally understand it, but you know, it I is- mean, I. So I, you know, I absolutely love it because like you said, we're Razorback fans and must is fantastic in my mind. Um, but if, you know, it was another coach doing it, if I saw Nate Oates do that, I would be like, what is he doing? He is so stupid. Like this is, this is dumb. And not to pick on Alabama, but that's the first coach that came, coach to, that came to your head. Like, yeah. Of like you wouldn't, prominence you wouldn't that people that. would yeah. know. Yeah. I, you wouldn't expect Bill Self to do that. You wouldn't exactly. expect, um, you know anybody who runs one of the blue blood programs to do that. Arkansas is one of those teams that are really a national championship away from being in that group with like Villanova and um, Georgetown and those very prominent basketball teams that are kind of left out of the blue blood conversation, but are very well respected. Like they're probably a national championship win away from that conversation of being in that group. Um, Yeah. I understand that. Like it's so unexpected for a coach to do that. But to me, like, Arkansas has always been a program that's kind of outside the norm to begin with. Um, You know, we're a very small state. Um, You know, if you look at the most betted on teams um, throughout the country, every state except for Arkansas, um, according to one book, I'm trying to remember which book it was that I saw this, but except for the state of Arkansas is the only one that didn't have a pro team select mm-hmm. their number one betted on team it was the Razorbacks um you know like Arkansas is just Arkansas like in my opinion we just got a very weird culture because the whole state's bought in we have no other team that's in the uh in the power power seven or five in football um you know it's a very the state is very much in you can go to another school and probably be a Razorback fan um you know in this state it's not like Texas you know Texas has Texas Texas A&M Texas Tech Tech TCU um, very competitive across the board, whereas Arkansas is just Arkansas. Um, yeah, so I mean, I if you think about it, like small scale version, like think high school football in like Texas, like yeah. the whole town's bought in, and the games are sold out. Like that is Razorbacks on a much bigger scale, much larger scale. Yeah, no, I I agree with that, and that's I, that's just the culture in Arkansas. Like I said, I don't fully understand. Um, the um, the the upsetness about the the shirt yeah. coming, but like I said, I'm open for someone explaining that to me, uh, and it, you know, logically explaining that. Um, and you know, I'm happy to debate somebody on that and be like, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, so, but apparently, you get hated on nowadays for taking this off. Um, my favorite part of that whole thing, and then we'll move on and actually talk a little basketball here, was when Musk ran over and get takes his rip. The fans are telling him to take his shirt off, and he takes his shirt off. Um, yeah. the part that cracked me up the most was this guy was just sitting in the stands, 
um, you know, Razorback fan over there. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And the must rips his shirt off. And then the guy immediately is like, yeah, and just takes his shirt off. <laughs> like, you know, solidarity. I, I was like, what? We just all need to take our, I, I might take my shirt off. They went on Thursday, you know, like, I'll, you know, must takes his shirt off. I'll take my shirt off on Thursday. Like run around you. Vegas shirtless. David do it. Um, I'll do it. it, I'll do it if it they, wouldn't be the worst thing that's happened there. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no wild scenario. Um, yeah, but let's talk about uh, their upcoming game with UConn. Uh, Arkansas and UConn to me, pretty interesting matchup in all honesty. Um, I don't know how to feel about this game. It, it smells like this is going to be a very, very competitive ball game. Um, I've been I trying to be very like, competitive, very aggressive, um, very defense heavy on both sides. The game that I think is going to be played very tight between big men. Um, I think Eric Musselman is going to have to choose very collectively. He's going to have to make good selections. Uh, down low like you're gonna have to figure out when to put Jalen Graham in the game you're gonna have to figure out when to put the Mitchell twins in the game and uh, when to put Kamani Johnson in the game Uh, Monty stepped up quite a bit so far in the tournament for Arkansas yeah he's played huge Um, but you know he figuring out that structure because Sunogo is no joke Um, that is that that man can play basketball Uh, just flat out can um, for UConn you're talking about a guy who hits almost 17 points a game rebounds eight 7.3 almost eight rebounds a game Uh, he's got the best true shooting percentage on the team at almost 65 percent you know he's he's dominant he he is a dominant dominant big man Uh, and he only picks up like three personal fouls a game Uh, so it's it's a concern that's a guy that you need to be aware of and you've got to figure out a solution on how you're going to play Sunogo Um, he's he's really good now the the numbers for the stats reflect that UConn collect you know plays pretty well you know compared to Arkansas's offensive rating this is the difference to me because I looked at the offensive rating and they're almost 10 better than Arkansas on the offensive end uh they're at 116.7 Arkansas at 107.6 uh the defenses are pretty much the same uh both teams right around that 97 you know if you round them up or up or down they're right around 97 um points for 100 possession uh points poor points for sh- points for shots and points per possession favor UConn um if you look at those collective stats you know for me I I tried to figure out like is it because UConn has played you know weaker teams because I do think UConn's good but I do wonder if those numbers are slightly inflated and then I looked up their their um their strength of schedule and it, Arkansas and UConn both have 10 point uh 10.6 scores 10 point 10.3, 10.3 on team ranking for their uh, for their schedules. They are the number 13 and number 14 teams on their strength of schedule this season. Those aren't the net rankings, and we'll probably take a you know you might take a look at those as well um, to yeah. see which ones winning that one out. But according to team rankings, their schedules were just as difficult. Um, and I do believe UConn played a pretty tough schedule. They were the PK 85 champions uh, there in Portland this year, and we've seen the last champion. Uh, or multiple champions come out of the uh, winner or whoever was the champion of a multi-team event like that. Uh, so UConn, definitely a very difficult opponent, very talented opponent. Um, the Big East, though, performance-wise here in March has been okay. You've got Marquette, who lost um, who lost to Michigan State yesterday. You've got um, Providence, who lost to Kentucky. Um, 
And I know there's one that I'm forgetting about right now. Creighton. Creighton's also in the Sweet 16 um, team that made it in Maui. Um, so it, it's one of those like this is good. They've got good teams in the Big East, but they've also got some teams like St. John's, no offense to Mike Anderson, um, who just were never really in the conversation to make it to the Sweet 16. Whereas, you know, the SEC, I think, was a little deeper. Um, yeah. So those stats could be slightly inflated for playing some of those weaker teams, but I, I need to look at those numbers. Um, I, I'm curious on how Musselman approaches this game because to me, Arkansas's defense is going to be the key in this basketball game for Arkansas to continue their run that they're on to a repeat to a third elite eight. Yeah, I agree with that. I think defense is going to be super important. And for me, the key on defense is not to foul. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious as to if Mus is going to have some people played back a little bit or, you know, type of aggression we're going to have in the paint with Sonogo, especially, you know, my first thought um, when we were talking about him earlier with one of my coworkers, I said, where is Jalen Williams when you need him to take yes. those charges from Sonogo and get that man out of there? Yeah, this is this is a Jalen Williams special right here. This that would be Arkansas's game plan if, if this was the case last year. If Arkansas drew this 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 team last year, it would be the Jalen Graham or Jalen Wilson game. Uh, or what am I talking about? Jalen Williams. Like, good grief, what am I on right now? Um, but you know, J this would definitely be Jalen's game. Figuring yeah. this out is going to be a little bit more difficult. I personally, what I have seen so far in the tournament, um. I don't like Kamani Johnson's size in this, but what I do like is how he fights for every offensive rebound. Um, and to yeah. me, second chances for Arkansas, a team that shoots pretty darn well from the floor when they get in the transition um, is, is crucial for the Razorbacks. So I, I think if Arkansas can get enough rebounds, they can play some electric, you know, high scoring basketball. Um, that's the question, you know, can Arkansas, get in transition can arkansas speed this game up much faster than what yukon uh wants to play this at to me that's a very very big question um looking at the pace of play for this game you know arkansas sits there with the second fastest pace in the sec at 68.9 i'm surprised by that because like earlier this season arkansas was third um and i thought i'm surprised to see that they moved past mizzou um so that's, yeah. that's kind of a surprise for me um, I guess yeah, I think it's more Mizzou probably slowed down rather than Arkansas speed up much. Yeah, that's probably the case. But whereas you're looking at, you know, UConn, UConn, they're the seventh fastest team in the Big East. Um, so I think you definitely want to play faster. Arkansas is averaging an extra possession a game uh, compared to UConn. Mm -hmm. So Arkansas playing fast is exactly what Arkansas wants to do, in my opinion. Um, yeah, so, it up, force turnovers, force turnovers, yeah. and. Great defense, get in transition. Those are the two things that yeah. I think Arkansas needs to do in this game. Um, and I think also when you do that, you have the potential to start wearing Sonogo down if he has to run that floor constantly because you've got multiple big men that you can put in that game for Arkansas. If Arkansas can put the game in transition, I like that scenario because then you're going to have to sit Sonogo and let him rest because big men have to run the floor. That's a big part yeah. of basketball. That's how you stop the transition game is your big man has to be able to hog up the basket as quickly as possible. So to me, if Arkansas can get out in transition and that's going to rely on the guards, that's going to be Ricky Council. That's going to be Debo Davis. That's going to be Anthony Black. And then it's going to have to be also on Nick Smith Jr. Um, and that's yeah. one of the things we haven't talked about yet with Arkansas. Nick Smith 
played okay in the Illinois game, did not play great against Kansas. Um, where is Nick Smith Jr.? You know, um, one of my friends asked me about it after Saturday's game, and I said, you know, I don't want to discount Nick Smith. You know, he's made the push to come back and play, which, you know, is amazing, I'm sure, for more than just – you know, the bare minimum of this team, I'm sure it helped build morale because, you know, he wants to be in there. He wants to be a good teammate. Um, But for me, I'm kind of checked out on him. I think, you know, he's leaving in a few weeks. I'm not going to worry too much about it. But you think about the um, – you're trying to think of the word. <laughs> you think about all the pressure that he's on and, you know, underperforming. And he said less time to build chemistry with this team because of his time spent away so I, I don't know if it's just all of that adding up and getting to him or what the deal is, but um, hopefully, you know, maybe after how amazing Debo Davis played and all the love that he got and, you know, it seemed like everybody was uplifting everyone on that team after that win. Hopefully that'll help him out and he can give us a push in this game. Yeah, I, I think it definitely would be um, important because I think Nick Smith Jr. is the key to get Arkansas into the Final Four. Um, it, that's that's what you need. You need him to show up because you just beat, arguably, I think, the team that I had picked to win the national championship this year. I did as well. Um, yeah, yeah, Kansas. You just beat that team. They're within the national champs. They're a very good basketball team. Granted, you did it without Bill Self being there. We both thought that Bill Self might be back um, for that game, you know, and it just didn't work out that way. Um, but you know, you just beat that team without Nick Smith having his best night. I think when Nick Smith can put his game together, like we saw him do against Oklahoma and other teams earlier in the season, when he can, or in the Auburn game, he played great in the Auburn game in the SEC tournament. Um, when he does that, they look like a Final Four team. When he doesn't, that's the difference. Like you've this, that's, that's the difference between taking Arkansas to that next level. And I think if Nick Smith, he's got a week of practice here, if you can get him to go, it would be very helpful. Um, But right now through two games, I'm very concerned that Nick Smith is, you know, looking a lot like Moses Moody and Moses Moody, you know, great player for Arkansas. But when it came to March madness, he didn't really show up for Arkansas. Um, And he was, he was an important player for their game plan. So <laughs> I, you just hope that that's not the case and that Nick Smith shows up on Thursday for Arkansas. Yeah, hopefully some additional practice, some additional rest will really help his game out and he'll do much better than we saw in the Cajuns yeah, game. For sure. All right, let's take a quick break uh, right here and then we'll talk about Tennessee right after this. Let's be honest. You're here because you love sports. We love sports too. And our friends over at Row One Brand love sports as much as we do. Row on Brand sells sports wall art, sports gift watches, and vintage apparel with ornamental designs created from real game ticket stubs and vintage sports memorabilia in their collection. If you want some vintage Golden State Warriors memorabilia, they have that too. It's a sports collector's dream website for anything sports related. Go over to one, rowonebrand.com to check out the great inventory. And we use the promo code VSP15, you'll get 15% off any item on the whole site. That's code VSP15 for 15% off any item on the site. So click on the link below and go check them out. Roll Run Brands, America's best vintage sports art, sports gifts. 
All right, Maddie. So we got one more team to talk about, and that is the Tennessee Volunteers. Never have I seen, though, a basketball team, and this isn't Vols, um, that has became more hated in one day as a mid-major than the Florida Atlantic Owls. Um, <laughs> I have not seen nothing but hate on Florida Atlantic um, since they beat FDU yesterday. And it's for two reasons, because they tried to get that dunk right at the end of the basketball game. And then also, of course, they built they beat America's Sweethearts in the sweet uh, the 16 seed FDU. Um, so right now, not a lot of Florida Atlantic fans for uh, to uh, in their back corner to play Tennessee. Uh, did you catch any of that um, Florida Atlantic Memphis game? I, I know you're probably probably caught a little bit of it being a Memphis fan, Maddie. I, I saw a little bit. I watched um, a little bit of the recap while I was at the gym, actually. Actually, this morning, trying to go through some games that I missed. It's a rough one for the Tigers. But, you know, um, FAU's kind of been a surprising team for me. Um, I guess it, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to them during the season. So, for me, I was kind of blindsided, like they came out of nowhere. But, you know, looking back, um, they, they, had a, they had a good season. And, you know, it makes sense for them to kind of start going on a run. Yeah, over 30 win basketball team, very talented, um, got a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, good team, good team. Um, I I think I told, you know, during the bracket show when we talked about them last week, I said, don't be surprised if Florida Atlantic wins this game, even though we have Memphis picked. Like, and that's the case. Like, it was a very good basketball game between the two of them. Um, Florida Atlantic's a good team. But on the other side, like I said, you've got a historic defense um, and a team that showed that they can play – without Zakai Ziegler a little bit um, when they beat Duke. And uh, yeah, we thought that might be like the final straw for Tennessee's postseason hopes, but like here they are in the Sweet 16, uh, clearly doing something right. Um, is he missed? Absolutely. Um, but Tennessee right now playing good ball, got the ability to get things done. Um, right now, I really like their side of the bracket for them. Um, they've got a legitimate chance to make the final four. Uh, in these yeah. next few games. Um, but let's talk about the Florida Atlantic game first. Maddie, who do you got in this one? You know, um, I'm going to take Tennessee mainly because in that Duke game, I feel like we saw more of the Tennessee team that we saw mid-season in the SEC. We saw the team that we thought was going to be a one seed, probably went out the SEC. And, you know, no offense to FAU, but – I think as long as we see that they're a going to be a rested Tennessee team, a week of practice, um, and I feel like they're going to be a little bit more put together now that they've had time to figure it out without Zakai Ziegler, I feel like that's a dangerous combination for this Tennessee team. It's a really good thing for them to get another weekend uh, coming together and working out what they need to work out with uh, in order to figure out how they're going to replace their point guard on the floor. Um, amazing wins by them. Like I said, they were one of the teams that had a circle like potential upset game with Louisiana, got it done. Then they're facing Duke um, tough team, got the job done. Um, so <laughs> I, I definitely like where Tennessee is headed um, earlier this season. We talked about, and I even think like maybe a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the free throw line always being a concern with Tennessee because they're one of the worst teams and not one of the worst, but they've been in the bottom half of the sec all season for a team to get to the free throw line and make their free throws. Um, surprisingly in this matchup, Tennessee actually averages making more free throws than Florida Atlantic. So as much of a concern as that normally is for me with the volunteers, 
the stats actually favor Tennessee when it comes to the free throw line. So I think that's going to be huge. Um, and a combination of their defense. Um, I, I definitely like the chance for Tennessee to come out here and get a win. Um, and then Santiago Vescovi to get, you know, put some points up for them. Um, there's also a lot of guys who've contributed along the way in this March Madness run. Um, so, yeah, I think Tennessee's the more complete basketball team to beat Florida Atlantic. So I, I'm really favoring the Vols to get through and make it to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I'm as well. I think the only thing, you know, kind of like I talked about in the Alabama game, the only thing in my mind that, you know, could cause some concern here is if Vescovy or, you know, anybody else that you, uh, Triple J has, you know, if they're struggling around the three point line. Yeah. And, you know, they do average less three pointers than Florida Atlantic. And that is the recipe for upset city. A lot of the time is a team that can shoot from three. Um, And yeah, the Owls almost averaging as much as Alabama, almost 10 three pointers made per game. There's there's a lot of potential there for FAU to get the uh, get the upset on that if they shoot well. Um, But I like Tennessee with one of the best three point shooting defenses in the country to bring that number down. Um, so uh, that's definitely my thought process on it. Uh, a couple of names to know for FAU is Janal Davis, uh, 13.5 points a game. Elijah Martin, um, two, two three-point field goals made per game. Uh, that's a name that you'll probably hear throughout the uh, throughout the broadcast. Uh, and then Golden, uh, 6.4 rebounds a game for the Owls. Um, so those are some names to circle, uh, get used to hearing for that basketball game. Uh, like I said, though, let's look at the bracket a little bit for Tennessee um, because I think we're both in the same boat. Um, the other side of the mid or the East region here is Kansas State and Michigan State. Tom Izzo, as we've mentioned, um, he is the master of making the Final Four. Um, every four years, he seems to get a team into the Final Four, and this would be a year four situation for Mich- Michigan State. Um, they play Kansas State in that other one. It, it'll be interesting to see who Tennessee plays in the next game. Um, I definitely think that Kansas State would be the tougher opponent, um, but it, it very well could be Michigan State. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, if if we see we're seeing early signs of Tennessee, we could very well see early signs of Michigan State when they were, it seemed like, on top of their game early this season. Um, but you know, on the flip side of that coin, if we see a Kansas State team that played like they played the beginning of that game against Kentucky and Tennessee can hold them to that, I feel like Tennessee's got got an easy route there. But, you know, like you said, Tom Izzo, we need to just rename him Final Four Izzo and <laughs> call it like <laughs> as John Ross is it's January, February Izzo. Um, so you know. <laughs> It, it it is what it is um so yeah i, I get what, i get exactly what you're saying here um yeah if that if that's the matchup that'll be super tough if it's the tang gang in kansas state that's rolling right along um that'll be a very interesting basketball game uh, between those two um but it, it's got the potential to get nuts um and it, it it's stayed nuts um the entire way through this tournament we've got a bracket that we filled out full of Swiss cheese right now. Um, you know, we've seen some craziness throughout March, like we always do. Patty, what's the craziest thing you saw this weekend? I don't know. I think it's probably going to have to be Princeton. Like, I, you know, 
I expected, you know, after that uh, upset that they were probably going to go out next, next round because, you know, generally that 15 seed that beats the two, yeah, they're done after well, after I mean, that, that one, one game. Sixteen, uh, St. Peter's made the Elite Eight, um, <laughs> and then uh, Florida Gulf Coast made it to the um, made it to the Sweet Sixteen as well a couple of years ago. So, I mean, it's not uncommon. I mean, here recent, but you know, I, I, stats would suggest otherwise. The you know historically, I know what you're saying. Um, it's not an, yeah, expected... but you know, just them like being an Ivy League team, you never credit them for sports at all. So, yeah, it's just one of those things, like. You don't you don't hear about Princeton like I I did see I think it was a TikTok of a girl that like she said her boyfriend wasn't talking to her because her bracket was better because she picked Princeton because of the uh, Cinderella story or whatever that Hillary Duff was in. Yeah, uh, well, once you know right now that the brackets that we picked out, um, you know, I've got my family's bracket group that we do where we play reset every weekend. Um, yep. I just use my dog's picks, and Joey's in second place right now in March Madness. Uh, in my family, there we group. go, Joe. And by four points, he's beating me by one point right now. I am, <laughs> oh my gosh, dog, this is crazy what you're doing. Um, yeah, he's he had Princeton, he had the dog had Princeton, the dog had, um, I believe someone else. They picked two sweet the, between the dogs. They picked two sweet sixteen seeds to beat uh, one seeds, um, but unfortunately, they picked the wrong sixteen seed. Um, <laughs> they had Northern Kentucky and um, and Howard winning. So you know the dog the dogs are making competitive runs right now in the bracket group. Um, you know, just again, this is how crazy this tournament is. Uh, is that we have legitimately have a dog in second place in a, in a bracket group of people who watch basketball on a consistent basis. Um, you know, I was watching uh, Charles Barkley fill, you know, X out his bracket and same with Kenny on March Madness. They're just putting red X's through the entire thing. And like, it's, it's the mess. That's how my bracket looks. It's like, this thing is destroyed. Like I, I have nothing that I've gotten pretty much right for the final four. I've got some games I've called perfect. And then I get a lot that are like half and half. And like, I only have three games left that I've called perfect in the sweet 16. It's nuts. It's terrible. It's, like, it's wild. Um, yeah. So yeah, last night I was sitting at the uh, sports bar and this is the craziest thing I saw this weekend. Um, um, but before then, before I get to the precursor, you know, tell what exactly happened at that moment. Um, the bartender, uh, he says to me, it's like, you know, my favorite thing about March Madness this year is that I didn't place any bets. And uh, I'm glad I didn't because this has been the most absurd year I think I've seen in recent memory for sports betting. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I get it. I get it, man. Um, but yeah, well, I was sitting there in the sports book watching the games and, you know, uh, sipping my uh, sipping my drink and uh, enjoying my vacation, you know, enjoying my time. I'm out because I've already got I put my winnings on TCU Moneyline. Um, just, okay. just just for the heck of it um, yeah. I'm already done. I'm cooked um, you know they're down by six with a couple of seconds left um, the line for this game though was TCU plus four and a half and everybody in the sports book had Zaga apparently because they were yeah. jumping down screaming like yeah 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 and then that doesn't even matter garbage time three-pointer sinks it <laughs> and the whole book went silent like <laughs> Someone had just That's hard for Vegas too. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody went silent except for one of the guys who were in the sports bar with me next to the sports book. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> just like so excited that this last three border was made. And I was like, this is absurd. This is this is the craziest thing I think I've seen in a while. 
whole book went silent um for for uh, March Madness. Uh, you know that's going to be on bad beats tonight with uh with oh, SVP yeah. on Sports Center is this like it doesn't even matter. Throw it up and he sinks it, you know, like you know, just just runs everybody with Gonzaga beating the spread at four and a half. So just just absurd. Yeah, the madness doesn't even stop with just game game straight picks. It it, yep. it gets used into betting as well because I'm sure there were so many. Uh, bad beats this weekend that I'm not even tallying because I didn't even think about them. But like, yeah, crazy moment, crazy moment uh, here in Vegas uh, for all those hardcore gamblers. You probably had thousands of dollars in the game, and I'm over here like I'm gonna drink my beer, my my uh, I'm gonna drink my drink that got comp for me. This is nice. <laughs> hey, I tell you, the best thing in Vegas is the people watching. Yeah, the people watching is great. Uh, it, it's it's a wonderful time watching doing the people watching in Vegas. It's it's a blast. Um, yep. but yeah. Good times, good times are had by all. Oh my goodness. Uh, I still got a couple more days of enjoying out here. My father texted me and he goes, Hey, don't forget, Vegas has an excellent public library system. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you need some recommendations, the Mob Museum, I went there last time. It was that pretty would cool. Be, no, that would be a really good. You know, I'm really into it. I just came off of like finishing The Sopranos when I was there too. So I was all, all into it. For it me i gotcha yeah you know the departed is one of my favorite movies uh, i love goodfellas so pretty much anything by martin scorsese um so you know i'm down for that 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 yeah. sounds like a pretty cool. good uh, i'm gonna have to look that one up that'll be a good one to uh to check out while i'm while i'm here in town uh is the gangster museum um town town pretty much founded by gangsters so you know yep. it's why well, it's a wonderful crazy city um love it i hope you brought your walking shoes shady shady history <laughs> oh for sure yeah top 10 shadiest histories in america <laughs> las vegas uh absolutely oh my goodness well maddie it, it'll be interesting to see um i want to talk about one more thing before we leave okay. um this is this is basketball relevant for the people who are sitting around and i'm leaving this on at the end of the show here and i want you to know before i say that that this is not a prediction but okay. in the history of the final four in the history of the final four there has been one other conference that has gotten three teams into the final four and that was the big east in the 80s those teams were georgetown st john's and villanova very high seated teams except for villanova memphis was the only other team that was i believe that was memphis was the only other team in that final four who was not in they weren't in the conference but it's only been achieved once the path to the final four Alabama, you know, has a pretty good route. It's not horrible. No. They're either going to fit if they beat San Diego state, they're either going to face Princeton or Creighton in the next round. Um, Princeton would be a very interesting basketball game, but I think uh, Princeton would uh, fall to Alabama. Um, so no. Creighton, Creighton, Alabama is the game that tied fans are uh, probably more than likely going to get. Um, then Tennessee, if they should draw Michigan State, is a team that's lower seeded than them. Um, like I said, there's a very good path for Tennessee to go to the Final Four. And then mm -hmm. for Arkansas, they've got UConn they have to get through. Very difficult game. And then they've got a very difficult game in either UCLA or Gonzaga. Yeah. But, but I didn't mention also in that last time that three teams from one conference made the Final Four – the team that won the national championship that year was Villanova. And they were the lowest seed of all time to win the national championship. 
and I believe, hold on, let me let me make sure I say it right. Um, make sure I get the seed right. Because I, I know it's very similar. And I want everyone to know that my hotel here in Vegas, their uh, Wi-Fi isn't isn't the best, um, <laughs> which kind of kind of drives me crazy. The they were an eight seed. Hmm. The Villanova Wildcats were an eight seed when they won the national championship in 1985. It's about time that happens again. Maybe. Maybe it does happen. You're giving me too much hope. I know. It's very weird, right? It's very, very odd. That's not a a prediction, but it's an interesting piece of history that's kind of shaping, uh, and it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, So weird year and i'll also say what villanova had to do to win that national championship was go perfect from the floor to beat georgetown um so yeah, yeah the, the, it, there were some absurd things that happened to win that national championship for uh, villanova but if you want more history on that one go check out um my favorite 30 for 30 uh requiem for the big east um they talk about that year um but yeah that's uh it's conceivable i'll, I'll say that it's so i don't think it's going to happen but it's definitely an interesting history it's definitely an interesting piece of history and should history decide to repeat itself this year in march madness because it has been an absurd year and our sec got a lot of teams into the uh, sweet 16 three teams in the sweet 16 it's not not it's not unbelievable it's not unbelievable that it could happen because the sec has right now looks like the best conference in basketball i would agree with that it's yeah. made my heart happy. And like, yeah. hey, our research has paid out. <laughs> yep, it paid out. It's been an interesting year. Definitely an interesting year. All right. Well, the next time yeah. we'll talk to you guys will be our preview for March or for the final four. Um, so hope everybody enjoys the show. And uh yeah, we'll stick around for next week. I'll let everybody know what happened in Vegas. Um <laughs> enjoy uh what, what is now gonna be known as a but yeah. <laughs> Enjoy what is uh, now going to be known as Hog Vegas from now on. Yeah, I'm 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 going to be referring to it Hog Vegas while I'm here. So I mean, if Glendale can change their name for a Taylor Swift concert, Vegas City? can do it for a yeah. Razorback game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's Swift City. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Totally good. Um, <laughs> been in both locations in one week. It's nuts. Um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> right, guys, that, is, that is the show. I'm.